HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a nonprofit with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Change menus, change lives. Learn more at chefscollaborative.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes. Let's go. 
Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. We are with Chef Josiah Citron in the beautiful Melise in Santa Monica. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. Uh, thank you. It's great to be here. So, it's always exciting to be at a restaurant right before service. And you've been doing this for quite a while, a couple, couple of decades. Yes. Do you still get excited right before service? You know, it's funny you came today because today is a day where... Always get excited. It's always that rush. Yeah. But then today it just like throws you right back to where it was when we opened the restaurant. We have three people out. Huh. And it's a Tuesday, so we're always closed Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So it's like first day back. First day back. A lot of prep. Everything's, you know, done on Saturday night. So here we go. And it's just like, well, I got so many other things to do. And next thing you know, you're just in the kitchen all day. But it's... Trying to catch up. It's interesting because, um, we're going to talk about your career, but... You are not you're not new to the game. You've been in this for a while and in Los Angeles for the majority of your career. Yes. Um, do you pull on that on that experience when when you know everything's sort of going into the weeds? Yeah, I think I pull on the experience. I think it's you know <clears throat> you kind of it's kind of as you go through this and you advance through your career. You know, you open the restaurant, you do everything. You look back and go, how did I ever do all that work? <laughs> right. Like running the business and. and doing all the ordering and all the things that I did, which I don't. I have chefs down to do that for right. me. You know, I've um, empowered them to do a lot of work for me. And then you get into it, and then it's like Saturday night. Friday night was kind of the same. We've been a little short. Someone's on vacation. Someone's sick. And it's really fun. And then I'm having a good time cooking and yeah. being in the line and being in that pressure where I actually have to be there. Yeah. And then I do it when I want, you know, walk yeah. around. And then all of a sudden, the stress comes over, like, all the things I didn't do. I didn't text Joe at Charcoal about a guest coming in and what they wanted, you know, and all of a sudden all these things come through my mind and the impatience build up. So it's like, it's a catch 22 of all of it. Cause the real thing I really love doing is just being in the kitchen cooking. Yes. And I, I feel as you get more successful, that sort of, the success pulls you out of the kitchen more than you may want. Yeah. I mean, my girlfriend always asks why I spend three or four hours on Sunday night cooking meals at home for the week for just because yeah. you know I enjoy it. it's like my meditation oh yeah it's oh, yeah. really a meditation whether it's fine dining food or making like last night uh, Thai ground turkey with lots of vegetables mm. in it to have for the week you know with lettuce wraps I've been doing that more too cooking b- something big on Sunday night yeah. a week I make like four meals every Sunday night for the, f- the week so you grew up here you grew up and you grew up in uh, Santa Monica Santa Monica Venice. born Venice. and raised born and raised surfing Surfing, skateboarding, roller skating, riding bikes, hanging out. Were you a terror? Were you ripping? Uh, we were all terrors. <laughs> we were South Side Santa Monica. I mean, what was Santa? What year is this? Uh, well, this well, this is in nineteen. Like, so we'll say when I was ten. Sorry, yeah. I was ten. You start kind of being terrorists. So yeah, nineteen seventy-eight sure. into the eighties, early eighties. What, what was Santa Monica like back then? Wasn't like it is now. No, I mean it was still the North Side was still posh and nice, and the South Side was a ghetto. Right. And it wasn't all this development. No. Uh, Main Street was like Wolfgang Puck in 83 took Chinois on Main. That was a big deal. Big deal. Not to me. I was 15. I didn't, you know, see, but that was a punk rock club called Blackies. Oh, okay. And that's where you're hanging out. You know, we try and sneak in. We don't always get in. But it's right. a very rowdy, small punk rock club. So music, been with you your entire life. Huge fan. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of music. I mean, just growing up in the age I did, you know, yeah. in Santa Monica, skateboarding, the punk rock era. I think it was, you know, pretty big in this Santa Monica, you know, suicidal tendencies coming yeah. out of Santa Monica. 
the Mod Scott scene with the Untouchables. Oh, man. So you were, like, right in it. We were here seeing backyard, you know, concerts. And uh, you come from a family of food, right? Your mom was a, a caterer, and you had a French grandmother? Yeah, my grandma's French, my dad's mom. So she was a great cook with certain things. It's funny. Like an at-home, like, at like a really... At-home cook, but not a chef. I wouldn't say that. She made a few things amazing. Like what, like cassoulet and things like uh, that? No, she made a leg of lamb with flageolet. Mm-hmm. She made great steak. Just seared steak with Dijon mustard sauce. You know, I mean, that's that'll stay with you, though. It does. The best salad dressing for the green salad. Right. That typical French salad There's dressing. There's something about that French salad with the right dressing yes. that just haunts you. It was delicious. She made the best chicken noodle soup. Always great chicken noodle soup. But, I mean, this is the... So you're growing up, and this is the late 70s, early yeah. 80s. I mean, the idea of going and being a chef is not like... What no, it is today. No. And my mom was a great cook. So she was a caterer. So they, so and your family understood that there food. was food and business. Yeah. Well, yes, she did. I mean, to the best. Yeah. Right, sure. Um, she did. She and did. She had a cooking school in Santa Monica. Oh. Southern California School of Fine Cuisine. Did she teach you how to cook? Uh, no. I mean, I learned from being in the house, parts right. of it. But it's a lot different cooking or catering at home. When sure. You're making meals and preparing everything and then going in a restaurant. Yeah. yeah. And also so, the catering scene in the 80s, I can yeah, only it imagine. It wasn't the same. It's not like it is today where it's just the like... 70s, 80s, it wasn't the same. I feel like catering companies now are all about like artistic innovation yes. and just like concepts. And this the, is... Exactly. This is more like you know a lot of uh, commercial catering. Yeah. Uh, TV shows. But the funny thing is actually she did have customers that actually ended up being my customers here. Huh. Production, producers. I see. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, so they they were a little bit further. And along she in would the cater, di- yeah, she would cater dinner parties, and she'd do amazing. She'd do Moroccan themes or Indian themes, huh? So she did all variety. Which of back cooking. then is must have been very Pretty, exotic. Yeah, it was very exotic. So when so you're ripping on skateboards, trying to surfing, 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 trying to trying to sneak into punk rock clubs. When did you? At what point? What was your food moment? When did it click? Because you yeah, you went to Paris. You mean you, you went off into the world? I can't tell you exactly the day. I think it's all that point in eleventh grade. We were trying to figure out what are you going to do for college, right. getting ready to take the SATs. And then you realize, well, we don't really have any money to go to college. And it's just kind of like, oh, and that's it. I'm just going to be a chef. Hmm. I have no idea why I said it, what happened. And I just said, I'm going to go for it. Started trying to cook some food out of cookbooks. How'd that go? You know, pretty bad. I mean, it went okay. How My did family it, liked it. How did it go <laughs> over, though? Because, you know, seeing you wanted to be a chef back in the... Well, it was, was just this, in the, the mid-80s. So this is 86. 86. Was, yeah. 85, 86. Yeah. Well, this was just when it was kind of starting. Wolfgang Puck was getting pretty big. Sure. Um, there was a few cable TV shows on. And it was like... But I had no idea what I was getting into. I thought I'm going to go to the restaurant, prepare the meals, and go home at 6 o'clock. No, I don't think that that's the chef lifestyle. No, I didn't have any idea. Maybe 6 a.m. You know, I, I had no idea. So you went to Paris. What was that like? What was it like... Being in there at the time was it like out all night, two hours of sleep, chef whites in the? Bed? You know, it was at times, and at times I realized I really had to be serious if I want to take this three years or the time I was yeah. there. So it was mostly a lot of craziness at times, but then a lot of it was also working really hard and a lot of hours. And the weekends would be all all night, all night. You know, restaurant night. Saturday Sunday close, so Friday night go out all night, Sunday go, Saturday go all all night, Sunday wake up. Usually go see a movie and sleep. What was Paris like in the eighty in late eighties? I think Paris in the late in the, in the mid late eighties was a, was the end of the great years of Paris. Sure, 
I think. I missed the amazing years. I think the 60s and 70s is probably Paris at its best. Yeah. And then the late the 80s, late 80s was still pretty, it was pretty cool. Still, it still felt retro. It felt like it was still like, hadn't advanced and it hadn't been so Americanized. Right. It was the beginning of it. But it wasn't like wasn't like Paris today with like the new yeah just the, the whole, new guys. the vibe the new era just it wasn't the same at all and Paris today and is, I think it is it's, it's beautiful it's, it's beautiful. always my favorite city but so you're in Paris and then do you just you come back to Santa Monica because it's what you know or did you you know because you come back and you well, you go to Chinua and you work for Wolfgang how did so that happen before I left for Paris <laughs> you got a cursory note from him I ate at Chinois. okay. And I had met the chef when I worked around L.A., Kizudo Matsutake Matsutaki Saka at the mm. time. And I ate there, and it was an amazing meal. I was so blown away by the food. I, it just stood with me. So I went to France. And after three years in France, kind of, well, at that time, the French food wasn't... It was starting, just starting to mix in mm-hmm. a little bit of outside influences. You know, different cultural influences. But for the most part, French food was French food. Yeah. It was lighter, it was more, but little influences coming from Japan at the time. Right. And I just thought I'd like to work at Chinois. Um, I guess being away for three years in Paris, I kind of wanted to come home for a while. Yeah. See my sisters, see my family. Did you come back and, I mean, how many guys were at that time were leaving Santa Monica, going to Paris, and then coming back to Santa Monica? A few of us, not many. Were most just going to New York, or most people went to New York, or go, stayed in France and cooked around, right? I think with it at that time, yeah, it was a different breed of cooks. There was a lot of Latin American cooks in all the kitchens here in LA. Yeah, the Oaxacans were here. It was much more prevalent than now. Yeah, and I think recently we've had a switch. Oh, I mean, <laughs> LA's on fire right now, you know, in the best way fire. possible. And back then it was, you know, a little different. Um, and. The question always, why did you learn French cuisine? But yeah. at that time, it really was mostly the only thing to learn. Yeah. Even Italian wasn't as big as it is now, or was. I think Italian's not as big as it was five, ten years no, ago. No, it's not. I feel like Italians probably do for a good renaissance. It probably will have a renaissance. They probably have a renaissance. Um, so you come back, you cook for Wolfgang, you cook at a few other places, and you wind up um, opening up your first place in 96, right? 96, Giraffe, with Rafael Lunetta, who was my best friend growing up. We both grew up here surfing and hanging out together. That's awesome. Because yeah. you with a surfing background, if you probably went in with someone who didn't sort of understand that yeah. mentality, would have been... It'd be difficult. It'd be difficult. I think so. We had a certain... Chemistry? Chemistry and I think a way of life that we grew up living and a way of... And a, thought, and a view on life and eating. Because we grew up eating, you know, our eating story started going to breakfast after surfing. Mm. And then looking for food. We always love food. So we look for restaurants to eat in. And then and it was nothing like now. You find a Thai restaurant would be pretty exciting back then. It wasn't like yeah, it wasn't like now where it's you like, couldn't have this kind of exciting contemporary food for the price you can find it now. Yeah, back then you either high end, yeah, which is pretty cheap if you look at it now. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But high end food or burritos and tacos, and, right? Which are still exciting to me. Oh, they're delicious. So but you didn't have also the creativeness going on with that either then. No. And so how did you open up? Uh, the first place. Well, how did you put it together? So we basically on two hundred and forty thousand dollars. We opened it up on a shoestring budget. We did most of the work all ourselves in the restaurant. Build out. Everything. Build out. I mean, we had a contractor, but, but you sure. know, painting and sanding and finding the used chairs and all the stuff we did it was all 
on a shoestring budget. I don't think you can do that today anymore. Maybe, you know, a young kid can. And I just don't see it that way anymore. Yeah. Because you go along and you're not really in that situation. I think now you do something. Well, what was the restaurant like for those who never get to experience? Was it high-end, fine dining? Or was it just no, French it was, cooking? No, it was French bistro. But then... French bistro is... But it was tablecloths, white tablecloths. Right. You know, we didn't have this no tablecloth. Right, it was French bistro, which now today you would do, you know, mason jar, exactly. wine glasses. And, and I think it was very California-driven. Everything was farmer's market-based. Uh, the dishes still, some of them today are just, I remember, just great dishes, like the pork chop we had. The wild mushroom salad was like a take on the lardon salad. Right. The poached egg on top. It was the mushrooms were sautéed, so that was the bacon, and we used mushroom juice instead of the bacon fat. Ooh. And then remember, at that time in L.A., eating had to be light. It wasn't this carb-free diet, but it was always sauce-free, right. sauce-free, everything light. So we started calling these nage. You know, it's in a, in a, in a basil nage. It's a butter sauce. Right. It was butter, but it was a nage. So it was okay to eat it. It because wasn't the same. It, it didn't say sauce. sauce. Yeah. It didn't say sauce. And how did that run go? Um, how was it? Well, I, mean, I was there for three years, and I left open Melise. Right. And Giraffe lasted 20 years, 19 years until at least, you know, a lot of restaurants, you know, last 19 years. You get the lease, takes a year to open. 20-year lease, you know, 10-year, two, five-year options, yeah. and then it goes to market rate, and if you notice a lot of places that make it, 19 years could be when all of a sudden they decide to close yeah. and walk away. But um, did you feel good about walking away? Did you feel... I mean, when I left, I thought, you know, we were going to do this together, and I thought it was the right thing at the right time for both of us, yeah. you know, with families, and, and it's just the right thing at the right time. It was hard to go, but... I mean, it's always hard to go, but you've you had this dream of a lease. Yeah, I, had, I really want to do fine dining. That was my thing to do, really fine dining. Yeah. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick musical break, and we're going to talk about the opening release um, and sort of this West Side Empire that you right. built together. Uh, we have a song from the archives, um, live performance here on Snacky Tunes on Heritage Radio Network dot org. Thank you. 
thinking of Heart so full, we fall in love, baby Only one I've been thinking of Heart so full, we fall in love, sugar Only reason I toss and turn My heart still burns You're not with me Yeah, 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 yeah same as you and I don't know why if she asks you then tell no one the truth Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We are sitting in Melise with Chef Josiah Citron. Did I get that right? Yeah. I got that right. I always get nervous. Um, so it's 1999. You've left your first restaurant, Giraffe. Um, and you mentioned during the break that uh, you had a famous musical guest there, Joe Strummer. Yeah. In, I think it must, it was like three months before he passed away. Yeah. But uh, there's, Waitress Dolly Breen, and she was best one of the best waitresses. Had. She was within really a punk rock from Boston. Yeah, she comes running downstairs. For, I, I think on t- table twenty four, Joe Strummer's there. Really, she he was with Brian Seltzer of the um, Bro- Stray Cats. Stray Cats so, yeah. oh, freaking out! So hey, Dolly, go tell him to come in the kitchen. Yeah. So we put the Clash on. We had a speaker in the kitchen, blasted it up, had the Clash going, and told him come and hang out with us. So he actually came in the kitchen. He spent 45 minutes hanging in the kitchen. That's so awesome. We're listening to music, talking. He's talking about food. We're asking about songs. And, and you know, I, I couldn't believe when he said that, you know, one of his favorite songs ever was Rock the Cat's Ball. Huh. It was like a song that became so popular. Yeah. But if you go back and listen to it, I think, and you can ignore the part of it being such a pop song, became such a pop yeah. song, it's a pretty brilliant song. Yeah, it's always interesting when... Um artists pick their favorite song or favorite dish and you can really tell just like they are equally surprised that it became so popular exactly so this is just a great time we have with them just talking and one of my all-time favorite bands the clash you know yeah. just through paris listening to it you know got me through the worst of times you know it's 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 interesting with music back then and 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 also with the restaurants because in the late 90s the idea of going out to eat was still this luxury. Yeah. Um, and the people who went out, the clients went out. I mean, I remember growing up and a little bit younger than you are, but the idea of going out to eat was really, really like special, unique. Yeah. And I still think that exists today, but now the concept of going out is such a common part of life. Yeah. Um, and so when you, you shut down giraffe and you, you open up, Melise in 1999. What was the culture like, especially with you entering into the fine dining? Room? Well, I, I think it's similar clientele from Giraffe. Yeah, Giraffe was still open, but I just left. Right, right. you left. left. You left. I yes. left. Roughly, I, I shut down my personally in, in being involved. And the clientele is similar to the clientele we've had over the years. People I met also along the way at Patina when I was yeah. Patina and Chinois. But it was a very affluent clientele, and they'd go out and they'd travel the world. 
And it was this very certain clientele. It, mm-hmm. it was... And so you were very reliant on what they liked. Right. You were very reliant on what they, how they wanted it and, you're, and, and pleading them. And they'd always come and tell you how they ate in Paris, and it was so great. And we had the Dover Soul. The Dover Soul and everything. Yeah. Oh, this was so great. It was so made the service. And I, and I was just thinking, I think we're giving you world-class service and food here, too. Yeah. And, but it was this image of France and what it was. Right. Like, if you had picked up Molise and plopped it in the yes, seventh. Exactly. It'd be it's a totally like, different... It'd be, uh, yeah. And so it was just a different way of cooking. Now, it was exciting, and I think these people were good people, and it definitely was not... It wasn't. It was. A, it was. It was interesting. It's different than now. Oh any, yeah. Any night now, I look in my dining room, for sure, two thousand seventeen. Yeah. And there's every different kind of person here. There's every different age group. I feel like the dress code may have dropped a little bit. The though. dress code's completely dropped. And when I first saw Melise, yeah, craziness. Oh. Like Steve Bing would come here, right, and spend lots of money on the wine, tennis yeah. shoes, and a T-shirt. People from Palisades would come here, older, you know, a, a generation or two yeah. older suit and tie and they just go off on me yeah and I'm like well you know you're bringing your bottle of wine in yeah he's spending the wine and he's buying the wine what am I going to tell the guy get out get go out. get a tie yeah it just doesn't work that way and I think that, unless you're at the commander's palace I don't know if you can exactly and I think away. that a lot of times people say fine dining is dead I, I disagree because what fine dining was in 1960s was not what it was in 1970s no or not what it was in the 80s 80s and 90s was completely different Absolutely. Early 2000s, I think now it's just an evolution of what's going on and where we're going with fine dining, and it's just figuring that out, you know, yeah. how it's going to go and how you can create it still. Because I don't think anybody doesn't want to have fine dining because it's a special experience. It's special. Well, let's talk about it because you opened in 1999. Were you happy to have a restaurant under your belt already that you opened by the time you opened up? Yes, I one? was, but I still was young when I opened this. I was 30 years old. Wow. So, thirty just turned 31. So, it was definitely a big overtaking. Um, yeah. And was the Santa Monica scene, had it grew a bit? Were there more players out here, or were you still sort of... Well, like, I think Santa edge? Monica always had Michaels was a huge player. Sure. You had Bruce Martyr. Mm-hmm. Capo. West Beach was here. Mm-hmm. We had, you know, uh, 72 Market Street. So it wasn't as... Chinois was here, so I think it was... It wasn't like as too crazy that you're going to open up a giant fine dining place. No, I think the only thing is that old story about the half a circle. The ocean yeah. stops you from having a full circumference around you. There's <laughs> people around you. Right. Because the ocean. Right. So So what you're saying is we've got to cement up the ocean... And just put buildings. Just put build, pull restaurants. Um, so you open up, and what's it like? I mean, I mean, it's... it's I'll be well, honest. We don't have a lot of people who've had a restaurant for more than, you know, think, 5, 10, 15 years. And you're here and you're still packed every night. Like, how? what's the evolution like? You know, what's the first five years like? I think the first five years is really hard. The first two years, you're really busy. Yeah. Then the next three, four, five, you're like... No more press. You know, you don't get much press, and you couldn't create your own. Well, you're lucky you got two years, because now I feel yeah. like it's two months. Yeah, maybe that's true. Yeah. I just felt like you make it on your reputation, you just work hard, and, you know, then an article in Gourmet Magazine would give you two or three years. Right. That was Nationwide Magazine. Right, right. And there wasn't that many places to get this information. I mean, what's it, I mean, what's it like being part of that changing media landscape, of having this open up before? You know, I, there think, was- I think in some ways I feel jealous that I didn't have the opportunity to do it when we were coming up. Yeah. And I think always based on, you know, I'm probably a little behind on it. I probably don't 
take to it as much as it's probably not, I'm not as passionate about that as I am other things. Right. I mean, I find a way to like it, but and I think maybe it doesn't. It just depends. But I think it's important, so important and so different. Like I'm still trying to understand it in every way, and it's changing so fast oh, yeah. every day. It's like the social media, what it was two years ago, is so different to now. But sometimes I see pictures of chefs posting pictures of their kids in the kitchen. I, I feel like, geez, that would have been so nice to point, yeah. coach them. Just for memories of my son hanging in the kitchen and working on the stations. I think all our kids have done that. Yeah, and I think I think you probably go back and might have those photos. They're just not for everyone else. They're I just, do. Yeah. It's true. And, and I don't really share that much, like, my family either. So maybe I'm yeah. just seeing our cuties, see other things. It's, it's, it's yeah. you know, it's a, just an interesting way of changing. Yeah. So as the restaurant grows, you... I mean, you received some of the highest accolades for this restaurant, including uh, two stars from Michelin. Yeah. What was that like? That was and you, the, still, and you still have them. We still have them. I mean, I love to be getting them every year. But yeah. I think it creates a synergy and, and, and excitement every year. But to me, I think that was one of the biggest moments. I've been trained in France and never thinking Michelin guy would ever come to America. Right. You know, whoever thought that happened. I mean, it's interesting um, knowing that Michelin has sort of ignored L.A. and... It's hard to think. And the 50 best award, you know, the 50 Pellegrino was came out, and no well, one from LA is in the top chef. Well, there's only two in America. I know there's two in America. Well, but three, I'm, three in Cezanne, Cezanne. So Right, but I'm saying, I mean, LA arguably is having one of the biggest culinary moments, and you've been here for so long. Yes. What is your perspective on why LA still sometimes gets ignored? Transient town. Yeah? I don't think we have a lot of raw, raw, raw support here ever. You need, like, an L.A. ambassador. I don't think we had the press that support L.A. They don't go out saying how great it is. Now it's starting to a little bit. A little but bit. But for many years, everything was better everywhere else. I know. And I and, and, <laughs> and I say that as someone who was in New York and had my own perception of L.A., but, I mean, it's living here. It's It reminds me of, of uh, any town that's really expanding. And it, and it, but it hasn't been that different. The food was always great here. There was always a lot of things going on here. I think there was one dull moment a little bit going on for a while, but I think if you look back of what what created out of L.A., so many things, Michael's and, and, and West Beach Cafe, and there was Rex, and there's so many great restaurants that always came out of L.A. You know, I just think there wasn't, it wasn't the accessibility that's here and everywhere else now. But now that it's here, now that you've been here cooking your entire career, do you feel any responsibility to help tell that L.A. story? I mean, I would. Love, I think it's important to tell the LA story. I think just the way it's met, changed so much and the way it's just grown and blown up. I think that you know, LA always we're not we don't have a, we're a spread out city, so it yeah. affects a lot. It's hard to you know you don't go buy the same restaurant all the time. Oh, let me go try this. You don't right. buy. It's like you don't have one way streets. It's it's yeah. really a it's um it's a for me to go downtown to places I want to go or to go to Silver Lake to places it takes time. Yeah, and it's, so it's hard to get around and check everything out when you're working. So, speaking of other restaurants, yes. Melissa's been around 15, 16 years. 18. 18, no, but I'm saying oh, oh, 15 yes, or yes. 16 years and you decide to open up Charcoal, Charcoal your second restaurant, which is in, first off, um, I don't even know how you get the, the, the permits to have that much charcoal and live fire inside a restaurant. You have how many different apparatuses to cook? Uh, we have four. We have uh, two different green eggs, one for running at different temperatures. Yeah. Uh, we have a... Um, Jasper oven, and we have just a strained wood, uh, wood stone grill, shallow grill. I mean, it's what made you want to open it? I mean, did you? I mean, it's obviously it's not. I mean, it's still a very refined restaurant. It's obviously in comparison to the least more casual, but it's still a very 
nice high-end restaurant. You know, I just, I don't think I, I mean, I, I think that I just, this is how I cook at home. Yeah. And these are dishes that I was cooking at home, and I was really excited. You know, I just wanted to share that and share this community style, and I, it was just felt like the space felt like the right place for the concept. And it's really something I always wanted to do. It was a place we had eaten years ago in Biarritz that reminded me of it, which is very... There they had three things on the menu. But yeah. it's just this community vibe when you went there. I mean, it's very communal. It's very open. It's and then that's why we kept it light, low. Everything's yeah. low. You can see the whole dining room. It's supposed to be communal together. And uh, that, to me, is casual. I mean, it's refined. I don't think I could do anything differently. Not refined. Yeah. So... So you... And... Um, what was the response to that opening up the second restaurant after I mean 15, 16 you know people probably think he's got his one restaurant that's where he's staying but then you open this I think it's a great response we had a really good response I think it's really I mean it's been hugely successful it's really busy it's great it's fantastic it's really busy it's really fun I enjoy eating there a couple times a week so I don't see why other people wouldn't I've I've had uh, the cabbage there is a fun dish the the cabbage is great duck it's great and then you also have uh a fun, smaller project, Dave's Dog House. Yeah, Dave's Dog House, hot which you, dogs. Which you do with your cousin, who was actually born into the hot dog business. Sort of. He sort actually, of. Well, he was an attorney, and he loved hot dogs when he grew up. The hot dogs at Howard Johnson is what he tried to recreate. <laughs> but, I mean, opening up this sort of, like, very casual place. Yes. Is this just, like, a fun release just to be, like... It's, I mean, it's gourmet. I mean, it's great hot dogs, great toppings. Yes. It's, it's all <clears throat> a commitment to quality. You know, it's, it's been fun. It's been interesting. You know, the fast casual world, the whole different world to learn. Yeah. Um, totally different. Uh, you know, we're doing things in arenas. And do you apply the same... I guess not. I assume that you apply your same approach because you are who you are. But yes. what are one or two things that you could take from the fine dining world that you wouldn't think that apply to a place like Hot Dog State? I think it's just about working in the same order. It's the, it's the way you work and it's the organization in fine dining or what my organization I've learned in fine dining that you need to work through. And the attention to the details. You know, it's like the ratio of the hot dog. How much mustard you put on? Yeah. How much onion? How much relish? What is the relish you use? And how does it pair with the mustard? I think we looked at all these different ideas and tastes to come up with the flavors that we thought. So I think it's taken just that detail of balance and ratios into, that I think you get from fine dining cooking that you, that you don't so get. So the, the balance. The balance. The balance. Um, you know, one thing I loved about um, when like reading up on you and, and, and finding out more about you is that you know in addition to just being a lifelong Angelino and a champion of LA cuisine you are also uh, charitable with your time and your efforts in cooking things like that and you actually in sort of like a full circle way have worked with Wolfgang Puck on some of his events um, what is the importance of charity f- to you and to giving back to well, the community I think you know as, as chefs we have something that people want even sure. more now and it's a way of bringing people together mm-hmm. and it's a way of I think so for me to be able to give back in these charities yeah it makes me feel really, really good to be able to raise money and it's amazing how much money people will spend to have you come to their house or to go to the farmer's market with you and it's so great for the charity and I think it works out makes me feel good to give back to the community you know and do different things I mean we've done so many things over the years different charities um but even right now, though, we're doing one that's really fun because it's a bike ride, and it's the chef cycle, No mm. Kid Hungry, and it's a 300-mile ride. Chefs from all over the country come together. Three days, 300 miles. This year will be Santa Rosa. Now, the fun part about it, that is a lot of chefs together, and we're not cooking. 
Oh, yeah. So someone's making meals for you when you get off yes. the bike. Yes. One chef who actually rides and makes meals. Ooh. Travis. The guy's amazing. That's amazing. Amazing. Um, oh. So I think the charity just been, I learned it from Wolfgang a lot. You know, yeah. I saw that. And I think it's just one of those things that I've always been taught to give back, you know, pay it forward. Yeah. It's great. Well, Chef, uh, I thank you for uh, taking time for service. Uh, one last question. Still surf? I still surf. Definitely. Lately, I've been riding my bike a lot more, getting ready for this ride. But, uh, you know, when I ride up and down the coast, I'm always wishing the days that are good that I was out surfing. Yeah. But, you know, I need to, I'm committed to this right now. You can't and strap a board to the bike. This, this summer, I'll be back out there. Well, thank you, Chef. Uh, Melise, Charcoal, uh, Dave's Doghouse, uh, The Cookbook. In Pursuit of Excellence, which is a beautiful, Thank beautiful you. cookbook on Amazon, I imagine. Amazon or our, our website. The website. Yeah. Um, how's your Instagram? I know you don't do a lot of social media. I, I do a lot of Instagram. You do Instagram? Yeah, I do Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? Uh, Josiah Citron. Awesome. Elise Restaurant and Charcoal Venice. It's good. It makes me hungry. Yeah. If, I feel like if I follow a chef and they don't make me hungry, I'm just, I would it's never get we, we post some good posts. Definitely. You post, you do. Josiah Citron, we get some nice stuff. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Um, come out, eat in L.A., eat here, eat everywhere. Yeah, enjoy it. Come and try L.A. All the all the different uh, aspects and cultures that we have to give is just amazing. It's amazing. Uh, well, I want to thank you. We have another uh, performance from the archives and then a live performance in studio on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a national nonprofit network with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Chefs Collaborative members work to make sustainable practices second nature for every chef in the United States. Chefs Collaborative was founded in 1993 by visionary chefs including Rick Bayless and Alice Waters, who acknowledge the influential role of food professionals on our food choices, our collective personal health, the vitality of cultures, and the integrity of the global environment. Chefs Collaborative believes that the greater culinary community can be a catalyst for positive change by expanding the market for good food and helping to preserve local farming and fishing communities. Change menus, change lives. Learn more about Chefs Collaborative at chefscollaborative.org. So when you're on tour, is it mostly salads? I feel like... <laughs> no, that, that's a fantasy. No. We wish it was all salads. Yeah. Yeah. It's still bread and cheese, man. Yeah, actually, I have a hilarious salad story about Annie. Mm. Okay. Um, this Love a good salad story. so Annie mm. that one... I mean, we, we have had to all share this hotel room in, in Paris one time. No, and, and It was a Barcelona. Okay, okay. You, you know, I'm not produce. really good. Okay, There's amazing produce. Then. Okay, so she's obsessed. <laughs> okay. Annie's obsessed with produce. Like, she'll walk by a produce stand and be like, oh my God. God, oh did God. you see that end dive? And we're like, what are you talking about? But like, Eric and I, I, I were. I myself some produce. We were, <laughs> and so does this one. I do. I like produce too, but she gets like really excited about it. And Eric and I were like dead <laughs> asleep, and we wake up and we're like, what is going on? We just hear like banging. It looked like someone had murdered someone in the bathroom. Yeah, so we get up and we're like, and we see Annie, and there's just. And the, no, the, she was gone. It was just she was, the remnants oh, she was of a gone. crazy salad that yeah, had been made in the all bathroom. All over the bathroom, she made a salad. There were chopped beets, beets and chopped carrots, serious? shredded carrots. Yeah, she had it looks like bloody. She murder. Had done it in the dark. Well, she has terrible sleeping. eyesight, so she had taken out her contacts <laughs> and off her glasses and proceeded to make a salad blind in the dark in, the no, dark okay. in a hotel it room. Was, it was dark. I was starving. I didn't want to wake you up. That's so really you decided considered. that beets were the way to go. The no, I found a towel. I found she got beets all over the towels. Towel. Okay, so all then your the guest blog session, we're going to make the salad in the bathroom. Yes! My other favorite thing to do is in Italy... Uh-huh. Stop at a grocery store and get one of those, you know, one of those catering aluminum. Yeah, it's like, yeah. What, you, yeah. Yeah. like what you roast turkey in. Yeah, <laughs> and make a salad in that. Hell yeah! Because they have the best produce, yeah. and you can get fresh Shoot. mozzarella, and you get what? What do you call the little, the little guys, the baby arugulas, rucola? Yeah, I don't know. the rocket, 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 no, mache, yeah, mash. Oh, mm. the and then it's in like a giant bag with like you can fresh mozzarella is so cheap. You yeah. get like three balls. No, it's a, whole, there. it's a whole she's, other world. She's eaten a salad for for a whole family. Yeah. Before. Yeah. Well, whenever I blog about a salad and yeah. I I have like a a problem about you know when it, I have to give the serving size if it's like how many people and it's usually like three to four or four to five but in reality I just ate the whole thing myself. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> serving sizes are so weird because they assume a lot of things. Yeah. I'm starting to think about salad Elaine. Thing. Like, did you get the big salad? Did you get the big salad? Yeah, I got the big salad. The big salad the big episode? The big salad. Yeah. I don't think I've seen I don't it. You never one. saw that episode? No. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Episode. 
Your husband, your husband is ashamed. Oh man. <laughs> it's all about. Isn't there also an episode where they make where Kramer makes salad, salad in, in the, the shower? shower. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's your Kramer, episode. Kramer. Oh my god, Annie is Kramer. It You're suddenly Kramer. has dawned on she's Kramer. <laughs> I always thought she was Elaine, but no, we she's not. I'm, not I'm trying to describe Seinfeld to our Japanese record. <laughs> it's one of the funniest things. You know, some of those episodes, <laughs> twenty years old, nothing. still stand up, make yeah, even yeah, more definitely. sense now. You that I'm in New York. Yeah, of yeah. course. I, I've always wondered how people who are not in New York watch it. I just gave a lecture about the Golden Girls in Hanoi, and I was like, "This is going to be rough," <laughs> and they totally got it. Really, you know, trying to talk really about good Q comedy. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like you don't even have to know what Miami is. What did you say it was about? You're like, it's about three old ladies, or what? Did four. You, uh, four. Well, Jeez. I kind of just like <laughs> skipped over the TV show and just showed. The video and like it was weird enough that everyone—I mean, every crazy old ladies exist everywhere. That's true. You know. In fact, um, let's play a song. Yeah. Let's okay. do a song and then we'll talk about the new album. Fact: I'm Dorothy. You're Dorothy. <laughs> I, do they have anything like that where you can find out which Golden Girl you are? I'm sure they have. I'm sure that. on Buzzfeed. There's on Buzzfeed. Something. And no, like which Seinfeld character? We're you all are. a little bit of all of them. Oh. That's the point. We're all a little slutty. We're all a little ditzy. We're all a little alpha. Interesting. Truth. Um, so what song are you going to play first? <laughs> it's called Just Like a Tree. It's about broccoli. <laughs> oh, broccoli. broccoli salad. <laughs> oh, my God. You guys. Oh
So uh, let's talk new album, uh, Movement Spectrums. Very uh, cool. I oh, like thank it. You. Thank you. Are you gonna play Crazy later? Uh, no, that one requires some instruments that we d- wouldn't be able to fit into this <laughs> small studio. <laughs> yes, I I hope oh, that really? I thought we were playing it. No. Oh. We, we're using two, j- just so people know, we're using two ultra-tiny keyboards right now and one drum machine, and this is like, I don't know, a it's tenth like of one, what we usually yeah, use. tenth of our yeah. regular <laughs> um, I think the last time you played here, you shared one keyboard and had some finger symbols. Mm. <laughs> Those would be mine. That sounds like us. I, sh- I forgot my <laughs> finger symbols. Um, I forgot my fingers. You also asked us how we weren't fat from eating pizza every day. Mm. But you're only here once a week. Yeah, so, so that's hot. Um, so talk about the new album. I mean, it was, you had a little bit of a break in between this album and the previous one. And I feel like you're working on either solo records or children or things like that. Um, Our inner the, children. What? Our inner children. Yeah. I and your your yeah. outer one who's eating pizza in the other room. <laughs> um, so how did this one come to be? How did, when did you decide that you wanted to make another another record? We started working on this album like summer of 2012 and some of the songs came together and then some of the other songs that came together were horrible and we didn't and never <laughs> saw the light of day. So, and then um, after Heather graduated from her studies. Oh yeah, we, what degree did you get? I got a degree in environmental biology from Columbia. Nerd. You're so I smart. Went to Columbia. <laughs> Oh, you did? I just got my MFA there. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. You too. I, yours is more impressive. Not, <laughs> not really. Oh, an MFA. That's amazing. So anyways. So anyways. <laughs> um, we, after she graduated, then we started like working on it full time, but it took about a year and a half, I guess, or a year to make it, year and a half to make it. And it was definitely also like a conversation, like after Still Night, Still Light, we weren't really sure, you know, if we were going to make right. another album. Right. And and I think that we all just needed time to pursue, like, these other things we were really interested in because we had been a band for so long at that point. So um, there was a definite decision and a conversation of being like, you know, should we really do this? Do we have more to say? You know, what do we want to do this time that's Does different? anybody want to hear it? Does anyone, want, does anyone <laughs> care? Is anybody out there? <laughs> I would say yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's... I've been really surprised, like... Not only have our crowds kind of retained the, the same people, but they're still telling all their friends to come to the shows. And it's it's really, I find it an absolute honor to to be living this, this life where we get to create what we're irresistibly and magnetically attracted to and then seeing firsthand the impact it has on other people's lives. It's, it's like nothing else. It's really amazing. Um, so the album, how would you describe it in comparison to other albums, though? Everyone keeps saying that it's darker, but mm. I find it like, so uh, hilarious because it's I like every single album we put out, they're like, this one's darker. <laughs> <The> people journalists <laughs> just really love to say it's that. It's also like, Williamsburg's really hot right now. Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> What's it like living there? <laughs> it has been ten years of people being like, I Williamsburg's really hot right now. cheerier than other ones. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. We think so, yeah. too. We think so, too. We think Still mm. Night was kind of like a sad one, and this one's kind of more yes. poppy and S- fun. Still Night's a little bit of like a February album for me. Yeah. yeah. This one's more like a springtime. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah. we always described it as still night was like our, our sort of like five in the morning, like the stillness of the night. And this one's more like the 3 a.m. Yeah. Like 3 a. M. You're still time. out dancing. When's the last time you were out 3 a.m. dancing? Last night. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. With Joe's band, that. right? Shout out, Joe. 
Hell yeah. Hey, Joe. Mm. Baby's all right. The new hot spot. It's great in there. Williamsburg's really hot right great. now. That place is <laughs> awesome. They're <laughs> so nice there, too. Yeah. Those guys are awesome. We, we did a Halloween party there this year. It was uh, pretty spooky, scary stuff. Um, did you wear a costume? I was a tie-dyed ghost. Oh. That's so good. There were, so it was good. a bed sheet. Okay. Tie-dyed. And there were three other tie-dyed ghosts at the party. Cute. Coincidental? No, no, no. <laughs> they all... They, we were all there together. Nice. And so we didn't... And no one did really you, said anything. Did so you climb no on who, each other's shoulders at one point? No, because the bed sheets weren't even long enough to cover like mm. to cover me. But it was great. <laughs> too, it much was, uh, too much pizza. Too much pizza. Okay. All right. So... <laughs> Mommy's having a beer. Mommy's getting loose. Um, can we hear another song? Yes, this one is called Somebody Who. We have to. Right. I was gonna be Bob Ross for Halloween. What happened? Best idea ever. I couldn't find an Afro wig. Oh come on! You couldn't find one Afro wig. What about that giant Halloween store on, that was open on Union? Yeah, Ricky's has got to have an Afro wig. Yeah. I was in Chicago at the time. Oh okay. So wait, who needs a microphone? I think Just, we're good. Okay, we're good. all right, we're here good. we go. I'll wear some own. up here. Okay, ready.
That's so good. That was really good. Thank you. <laughs> Henry, thoughts? Yeah, Henry. Do you like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's so awesome to have you girls back. I had a really good time at the at the Brooklyn Bazaar Night Bazaar show. Yeah, that was that fun. Was awesome. You guys were really rocking out. Cool. I also liked your side ponytail. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I had a hairstyle change in the middle of the set, which was a first for me. It was it was um, a suggestion by a friend of mine. It's She's good. an artist. She's an artist. A lot of artists. Shows are. I feel like these shows, our episodes are better when we have artists. Same, just like Saturday Night Live when they have real artists. Like, if you haven't seen the Drake episode yet, it's... I'm so excited. Oh, my God. Annie. Annie, (laughs) the Drake episode of Saturday Night Live might be the best episode in a long time. Do you want to comment? Do you like Drake? That's, like, the biggest understatement. All Annie talks about is Drake, like, all the time. Are you familiar with his early canon as Jimmy from Degrassi? I I, kind of got into it on tour. I started YouTubing it, but... I was only interested in the Drake scenes, and the rest of it was really dragging, so I kind of <laughs> dropped the ball. Yeah. Sorry. It's, it's cool. It's too Canadian. It's, too it's so Canadian. <laughs> well, I mean, we, my brother and I grew up watching it's that stuff. It's clearly Canadian. You did, yes. When we go up to Montreal, we'd watch oh, the original cool. Degrassi. And we're like, oh. what is this? <laughs> it's, it's real life. It's real life coming at you fast. Yeah. Uh, so what's up next? So now the album's out. Yeah, we have been touring. We just got back from Japan. We're about to go uh, to Europe. And then oh, we're opening amazing. for this awesome band, Broken Bells. <laughs> oh, yeah. Broken Bells are great. They're so great. Um, I really loved your tour photos from Japan on, on my Instagram. It's hilarious over there. Which one did you like? Um, the one of the shops. Um, hmm. I have to go back and look. Yeah, you're probably <laughs> Don't right. put him on the spot. <laughs> I, mean, I, I was just curious because a lot of them were just pictures of us on stage, and I was like, "Wow!" No, you had some nice. You, you had some nice uh, scenics, if you will, of Japan. That's mm-hmm. that's uh, I think number one on my top travel list. We took some beautiful train rides. Yeah. Did you go to any onsen? We did. We did. Not like well, not like natural onsens, but some bathhouses. Yeah. That's true. We went to one for five hours. It was like we, our entire day off. It was so love, was lovely. All the Japanese people were like, you're going for five hours? <laughs> I'm sorry, for those who don't know what we are talking about. Okay, it's like a bath, like a public bathhouse. And it's okay. not super, it's not like fancy. It's just a place where people go to like steam. Ooh. There's the one that we really love called Heaven Baths. There's a sake bath. Where it's not oh. all sake, but it has sake in it, and you steam in the sake. In this wooden tub, there's like four wooden tubs in it a row. It smells really good. But like, they often have natural spring water. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. That's there true. was one that was like a mineral bath, but we, of course we can't understand like what, what any of the, the signs say. And the funny thing is, like the sauna has this giant flat screen TV, and everyone's just like watching this. Like, and it's not even like <laughs> calm spa stuff. It's like. This woman is crying, and there's like a car accident. You're like, you're watching this in a hot tub. We got massages in Thailand. The guy next to me was watching Fight Club on his iPhone with like the loudest, the loudest (laughs) volume with just a curtain between us. You should have asked him to pay for your massage. I think if you do it twice a day, then you can watch Fight Club. That's true. You're not like treating yourself. Yeah, twice a day. They're a dollar. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got when I was in. Vietnam, I got like a massage on the beach from like four women, and it was like five bucks. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> wow. They also tried to um, hair twine 
Oh. my back and I was like no 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 oh my god but they just started and I was like how oh, that really hurts yeah. uh, no but like I had one very uh, smooth shoulder not that I have a lot of hair but it's just like I was like what are you doing but yeah it's great Asian massages yeah, yeah on, we on the Hong level. Kong and we all got massages for like ten dollars oh yeah that's right god, this must be so awesome traveling playing music with your best friends yeah. it's great it is fun do you get to bring Henry um, yeah, we're we're going to Europe on February third. We're starting a big run, and um, we're doing a string of dates in the south of France. So Doug and Henry are going to come. And we're going to go hang out. Awesome. In some lavender fields or something. Hope he doesn't trash the the green room. I hope he does. <laughs> I hope he does because we are like we have a really good reputation, and I'm tired of it. You're tired of it. <laughs> you tired of being professionals? We're just so nice, and we care. Uh, show up on time. How many different dresses do you bring on tour? Three. Three outfits is the perfect amount. Really? Because I bring then, more than then that. Then there's like no, you don't have to think about it. But how many do you wear? Like one. You end up wearing about three, no matter how many you bring. And you just rotate them out? Yeah. Are these performance dresses or just day dresses? Well, they're how not always you? dresses. I question. would say that I sometimes you. I wear pants and day a dresses. tie. That makes one of pinch his cheeks. <laughs> day dresses. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you are, no, you are known. I, I, you know about day dresses. You're known for your stylish. You guys don't even know the difference between dresses and skirts. You're really know, showing like something special. Here. I, uh, work yeah, I work at a fashion company now. I work at a fashion company. I know. What are we talking? Minis, pencils? What are we talking? <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so this has been another awesome show. We have enough time for one more song. Um <laughs> But thank you so much for everybody. Me, Julia, thank you. Thank you. Adam for the, finding the beer. Henry for playing the keyboards during all the interviews. Oh, thanks, Henry. Shout out to Bouncing Souls forever. And e- ever. East Coast Hardcore. <laughs> for life. For life. Um, where can people find the album, all the nuts and bolts of... We have... Uh, our, we're, we try to be act, semi-active on our Facebook page. And then we have a website that's slightly informational and has a shop. And then there's um, iTunes. There's always iTunes and all of the regular music retailers. And we have some really fun music videos, so definitely check out our YouTube. And um, yeah, please like, you know, we like to meet people and mix it up. So tweet at us, find us on Instagram, follow our tour that we're about to do. And, and it's all uh, it's all your band name. Oh. Yeah, Ova Simone. Do you want to spell that for All the people? A U R E V O I R S I M O N E. And it's a, a quote from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which I remember my good buddy Luke when he found that out. Was, remember that? Was he was psyched, yeah. Was super psyched. Um, well, thank you to everybody. I, I'm not sure if we're going to be on next week because it's the Super Bowl and if people are going to be around. But I feel like the Super Bowl starts super late. I have no idea. Is that really Even your competition? Even though the Broncos though? are... What? Super Bowl is really your competition? No, it's not. I don't know. I would do a show during Super Bowl. I, it's, we, we just have to have... We just have to see. Um, it's, you know, things... It's in New York this year. So I, I feel like it's going to be crazy. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. And the Broncos are playing... I'm from Colorado, so... Oh, yeah? Is that where Denver is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> should we play uh, something else? It should be good. Oh, we're having a band meeting right now. Yeah, we're trying to decide... So what should we, we play? We we That's were gonna play an oldie. We oh. were gonna play an oldie, but now I think. Do you think it's too much of a lullaby, or that's what we're going for? Well, I think that it's. I mean, I think you got to end with energy. You know, your best songs have to be your first song and your last song. I'd say, tell me if you guys were going to play on one. Do keyboard. you want me to play? 
crazy and try and do it? Yeah, well, uh, let's, do really it. Crazy let's do it. Let's do it. It's a single, and I'll I love just, it. I'll beatbox the bass. This might oh, be terrible. How, this really might be terrible. How could anything be, that you three do be terrible? We've never tried to do it like lo-fi like this. Yeah, you know, we haven't. Well, that's uh, that's why the magic happens in the shipping and training. No, I just play bass. Hmm. You don't have a bass, do you? I don't, but you can still feel free to make a bass face, even though you're not playing it. Make the bass. How's your bass face? Oh, that's that's not a fun bass face. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. Uh, Avar Simone. Is this the best sound, Annie? There's a, yeah, sure. Pipe organ. Do do. Okay. Do you need another microphone? No. Henry, you want to get on here? Henry no, loves good. this song. Henry, you want to sing it? He's got good taste. Oh. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Hopefully, we'll see you next week. Uh, I guess go Broncos. Thanks so much. Or whatever. Thank you so much. Go everybody. salad. Every time I walked away, thought that it was done And every try made became the one I counted on You knew me when I loved to lose and to lose again Seems we're either giving up or giving in But ooh, you girls, you drive me crazy Ooh, you girls, you drive me crazy Talk about food, we talk about music.
listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.